You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. We're in a series called In Love and War because uh, doc, the late Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole said that marriage is the closest you'll get to heaven or hell in this life. And if you want to know what we're about, we're trying to get the hell out of your marriage. That's the plan. The plan is to get as much hell out and as much heaven in. Amen. And so, uh, so we, we like doing uh, this series. It's really important. Let me just throw this out there. Uh, I've preached this message twice already, and it's going to come out differently again. Hopefully, it'll be third time correct. Uh, I, my dad was an atheist, so I didn't grow up in church. I got saved on a beach. And you may say, well, you know, why would you take a whole month or six weeks or however, however long the series goes for to you know, talk about love and relationships? Shouldn't you be getting back to you know, the more important things on scripture and theology and doctrine, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But a number of years ago, a number of years ago, when I was a very, very unknown, very unknown pastor, I love God like I love him now. I love the church like I love it now. I love his word like I love it now, but I was in a place of obscurity. And the word of the Lord came to me one day and he said to me, Jürgen, I'm watching you. And he was very kind. He's he's not he's not a he's not a, um, a high school principal. In case some people have God as a high school principal, he's 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 unbelievably loving. And he said, and it was like this this beautiful grief. And he said, you know, I'm watching you, the way you treat your bride, to determine of how much influence I'll give you over my bride, the church. And so the reason that we talk about marriage and family stuff is because God invented marriage with the intention of family, that they would produce community and that everything would flow, government and everything would flow from all the way back. So the enemy knows if he can't remove God and his word from our high schools and our colleges and our halls of justice, the next step is then he'll attack marriage and then he'll dismantle family so he can destroy and devastate community, government, and everything else. So it's so important that the church speaks on these things. So we are going to have some fun this morning. But come with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 44. Matthew 13, 44. And it opens with the word again. It says, and again, as Jesus speaking, it's in red, again, the kingdom of heaven. The reason it says again is because Jesus is on a roll right now. He's, he's telling parable after parable. And a parable is, it's an, an allegory. It's, a, it's a, a story where Jesus takes highly complex kingdom things and breaks it down and presents it in layman terms. I think what the church has done brilliantly over the years is we've taken really simple things and complicated them so that we look like we're really smart. And, uh, and it's not how it's meant to be. It's not how it's meant to be. My assignment on a Sunday is for you to go, duh. And, uh, you know, but that, that means I've done a good job. So my job is to take kingdom things that are complex and break them down very, very simple. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did, and he did it so wonderfully. So watch this. And the reason we're doing this scripture is because 
uh, in, in the, the marriage, the love and war relationship series, I, I wanted to, to preach and teach today on the game changer scripture for my life. When, 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 when I read this scripture or God spoke to me from this, this verse a little over 20 years ago, it was the game changer. In fact, it was so profoundly a game changer that it completely changed the way that I view marriage, life, the world, relationships. So it's a very, very powerful verse. There's only one verse, but it's very potent. So it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys the field. And he buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and then hid. He found the treasure, and then he hid it so that no one else would see it. And then he went and, and sold everything that he had. Takes Betsy's his best milk cow. Everyone's like, "What the heck is Joe doing? What's he up? Why is he?" Betsy's the number one milk cow producer in the. He's selling bet. He's selling his shoes. He's like, "What is God? What's Joe's up to? Something?" He's selling all his stuff. Sold everything that he had. The heck is? Oh, did you hear about Joey bought that field? What, what the, the one on the corner? Yeah, I've seen it. Just an empty lot. He buys the field. Sells everything he has to buy because he saw something in it. Saw something in it. So falling, in, falling into that same old dull routine. You know, they say the key to marriage is to fall in love over and over and over again with the same person. That's the key. You know, I remember watching years ago, I was watching one of those, you know, Oprah Winfrey kind of style talk shows, and they were talking about, you know, divorce. And we know that divorce happens. But, you know, it was amazing. These people saying, you know, well, you know, Oprah, we just, we just fell out of love. We just fell out of love. And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, you fell out of Well, I fell out of a tree. <laughs> but this week we're in Charleston, South Carolina, and we go to this famous park, and there's these low-hanging boughs on these trees. And I start climbing. And I always, hey, look at the sign. And the sign says, no climbing trees. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I, I fell out of a tree, but I'm still climbing back into them. Like, just because you fell out of love doesn't mean you can't climb back in. Or, or you probably heard this one. You know, we, you know we, we just drifted apart. We drifted apart. What, you can't get a paddle and paddle back together again? <laughs> The key to a great marriage is falling in love over and over and over. And uh, love is a choice. Love begins as a feeling. Love in its infancy begins as a feeling. You, you'll feel, oh my gosh, I fell in love. Your heart, and it's a beautiful feeling. But the, everything in the kingdom begins as a seed and ends in a harvest. Everything in the kingdom begins as a seed, begins in infancy and moves towards maturity. And so love in its infancy is a feeling. It's an emotion. But love, when you 
nurture it right is meant to mature and it matures into a verb into a doing word into an action so love may have began with a feeling but it moves into its maturity where for God so loved that action he gave his only begotten son it was not three nails that held Jesus to the cross it was his love for you and I and so I have found that in this life Christ Christ is is not just a historical figure that 2,000 years ago died on the cross and then rose on the third day Christ is the one seated at the right hand of the father that you and I can come to boldly to his throne room of grace where whatever is deficient or lacking, I can get refilled. When, I, when I'm full of his love, I am loving. When I, the world that you and I live in is, the answer is riots. The answer is hate. The answer is crucified. The answer is, that, so the problem that I have with social justice and the social justice gospel is it's a false gospel because it always looks for somebody to crucify. It's always somebody, it's, Jesus was crucified. And the answer isn't the crucifixion of white people. The answer isn't the crucifixion of uh, people who build walls. The, uh, the, uh, the, the answer is you and I coming to a place where we draw down the love of God so that we forgive one another. So that we, because we have to break the sin cycle. We have to break the, the, the transgression that goes on. So I love this song because in, in the song, everything that he was looking for was right there. So the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. The treasure is there, but it is hidden. May I just say to you, it is not hidden from you. It is hidden for you. Proverbs 25 verse 2 said, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. And it is the glory of kings to search it out. God wants you to live like royalty in this life. So God does not hide things from us. He hides things for us. When our kids were little every year at Easter, we would hide eggs. And we weren't hiding it going, <laughs> they'll never find it here. <laughs> like we weren't doing that. We weren't hiding the eggs from them. We were hiding the eggs for them. Because we were trying to teach them that this life is full of treasure moments, treasures that are worth searching out for. That the, the good things in life aren't just going to fall into your lap. You're not going to wake up in the morning and there's gold bars sitting on your lap. That if there's gold, you've got to go and excavate. You've got to do some exploration. You've got to do some digging. You've got to move some dirt. But there is gold in them there hills. Arr. There's gold out there. But it's, I mean, I used to love watching pirate movies. Arr. This is a treasure map, R, and there be buried treasure, and X marks the spot, R. The treasure was hidden, and there's, there's a reason that the treasure is hidden. Because if the treasure wasn't hidden, it would have been stolen. It would have been taken. You'll, you'll, never, you'll never go to a, a Fortune 100 or a Fortune 500 seminar and and, uh, you know, the guy gets up and says, well, yeah, it's kind of a crazy story. I was in a lazy river, just floating on one of those inner tubes and thinking about my life. And, and I looked, 
and just floating right by with gold bars. <laughs> so I took them and now I'm a billionaire. Gold doesn't float on the surface. So let me give you three quick thoughts. The first one is dig for buried treasure. You have to dig for buried treasure. You've got to dig for buried treasure. It doesn't, doesn't rest on the surface. The reason it doesn't rest on the surface is because if it was on the surface, if it was available, it would have been taken already. Anything of value doesn't just sit on the surface. Let me just kind of mess your theology up, which is, in, which is not a bad thing when you come to church because it means that you'll do some Bible reading and study of your own. We, we have been on a very, very beautiful grace gospel teaching, but any, anything that is uh, extreme ends up in error. And the Bible says that Jesus came in grace and in truth. And yes, I believe that God loves everybody. And yes, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for everybody. I believe that. But the Bible teaches that not everybody loves him and that everybody will accept him. And the Bible teaches us that there's a, a doctrine called the doctrine of the wicked. And the Bible even uses this word repeatedly through the Old Testament. It's the word worthless men. Worthless men. And just to very quickly, what, what is a worthless man? A worthless man, when, whenever you see the word worthless men in the Bible, it always has to do with these men would, would give their word but no intention of following through. The, the, their word was completely incongruent with, with their character. God, God is so, his integrity is so precise that he didn't, to save you and I, he just sent his word. He just sent the word. And he gave the word all the way through the Old Testament that the word would deliver, the word would, the, the word would save, the word would redeem. And then the word became flesh and the word accomplishing everything that he promised. Because in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. That you can't separate God from his word. Worthless men, uh, men that enter into contracts to steal from you, to deceive you, they have no intention of keeping their word. Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible teaches, were full of worthless men because these were men that, that uh, violated covenants. The man, Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. In other words, whenever he says that, he's trying to say, listen, you, you have, whether you realize or not, been programmed. You've been indoctrinated to think according to the values of your culture. But I've come from another dimension. I've come from another sphere. And I've come to, to teach you a higher way. The Bible says that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. No, they're his ways, our ways, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his thoughts higher than our thoughts and his ways higher than our ways. And so Jesus came to say, hey, listen, you don't have to die and go to heaven. You don't have to wait till you die to go to heaven. You can, you can begin to access heaven now because I'm going to teach you the thoughts and the ways of God. And if you put those things into practice, so he says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and then hid again. For joy over it, he sells all that he has and he buys the field. His, his, his affection wasn't for the field, it was for the treasure. 
the, the desire was the treasure. But Jesus says, if you want heaven in your relationships, if you want heaven in your marriage, if you want heaven in your life, you need to understand that to enjoy the pleasure of the treasure, you have to adopt the responsibility of the field. See, because he took responsibility for the field, he got to enjoy the pleasure of the treasure. The, the spirit of this world is a spirit of lust. The Bible says the corruption that is in the world through lust. Lust seeks to get. Lust is all about personal gain at the other's expense. Men with lust go to Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand, Philippines. They go and they exploit the poverty over there and they extract the gold. They extract the treasure with no covenant. Scripture calls that worthless men. They have no value. They, they have no interest in the responsibility of the field. They just want the pleasure of the treasure. But it is self-serving and is self-destructive and is self-defeating. Love is the opposite to lust because love gives at personal expense. Lust gets at self-serving. Love gives. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, that whosoever would believe would not perish. So love gives. Now, I'm going to get to it in point three, but there's a, there's a reason why love is so powerful. It's the reason that love is so powerful. So God hasn't hidden things in the field from us. He's hidden things for us. <clears throat> when, 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 when I first noticed how beautiful my Leani was, what, it, what I didn't realize was the reason I could see the gold, the reason I could see the treasure in my Leani is because she was under her father's covering. Her father, was a, her father had raised her, taught her right, brought her to the house of God, saw her worshiping. It was the most beautiful thing I'd seen. And I'm like, oh, my God. But then just within a couple of years of being married, I'm like, See, he buys the field. The treasure is in the field. He knows the treasure is in the field. For him to take the treasure out of the field in the night makes him a thief. Makes him a worthless man. So he realizes that if, if I want the treasure, I've got to acquire the field. I've got to take responsible for the responsibility for the field. To take responsibility for the field means that he's got to fence it. It means that if the, the soil is full of acidity, then he's got, to, he's got to work with the soil and alkalize the soil. It means that if there's gophers or other pests in there, he's got to deal with those. He's got to pay out of pocket for the, he's got to, he's got to pull the weeds. He's got to get rid of the thorns. He, he's got to remove the rocks that are, that are clogging up the soil. I can't believe that it's... So Leanne and I fighting all the time, 
fighting all the time, fighting all the time. Now, here's the truth. When I got married to Leanne, I thought, you know, exactly what, you know, Mr. Andre has told me all the time. He says, you know, the Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And he says, you know what wife stands for, don't you? I'm like, uh, like, yeah, like, uh, not really. He said, well, it's an acronym. It's an acronym. I said, it's an acronym? He said, yeah, wife stands for washing, ironing, food, and entertainment. Now, if I was honest with you, Shauna, I feel like I don't know how Mr. Andre can say such things. Just how many people know Andre didn't say that? Come on. I'm just being naughty. So watch this. So, so here's the thing. When I got married to my Leanne, I'm like, yes, God told me, God told me you're the one. And on the wedding day, forsaking all others, yep, you're the one. So then when we, we got out, I'm like, yeah, let it all begin. I'm ready to receive. Yeah. Let the washing, ironing, food and entertainment. Yes, I'm ready to receive. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed in the amount of reception. Now, the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, good thing, and obtains favor from the Lord. I'm like, I'm like, man, why would I need favor? I'm like, he finds a wife, hello. And then a month later, I'm like, the credit card statements start coming in. How much do you eat? What the? What do you mean you need another pair of shoes? You've got a pair. How many shoes do you need? It's, they're expensive. No wonder you need favor. But watch this. I was looking at my Leanne and I was thinking, now that I married the one that God had for me, she's going to complete me. She completes me. Only to find God's in heaven going, oh, myself. <laughs> One night I go for a walk and we were fighting all the time and she had to attend to the kids. So I thought, I'm going to slip out and pray. And while she's doing domestic duties, I'm doing the spiritual stuff. So right there, if we were like earning points with God, hello. So, you know, I'm kind of talking to God and thought, uh, you know, the whole goal really of talking to God. And I know, you know, not a lot of people talk to him, so he loves it when anyone is talking. <laughs> and so I thought you know, the whole goal, the motivation was to throw Leanne under the bus. The woman you gave me, God. And anyway, I'm start complaining about, you know, insubordinate, flipping rebellious and... and not submissive and probably backslid. You know, I'm throwing her under the bus. I'm just being honest. I'm throwing her under the bus. I'm throwing her under the bus because I'm like, I was expecting washing, eyeing, and fooding and entertainment, and she's, and I'm under pressure. I'm in ministry. And it's amazing. It's amazing if you don't take responsibility for the field and all the thorns and all the weeds and all the grass grows and you don't mow it. You, you can't even see the treasure that you originally saw. But it's amazing in other well-kept fields, you 
Well, I wonder what it'd be like to be married to her. Things probably different if I was married to that one. <laughs> I could see myself marrying her. And one of those, one of those most annoying. Now God is loving, but truth, truth is so annoying. Truth will just, oh, I mean, it'll just kick you where it. And I'm complaining to God about all my disappointments and all of Leanne's faults. And then he says, Yergs, your wife is a product of your husbandry. What? Your wife is a product of your husbandry. If you think it's her, And then I realized I'd lost the treasure because I had abdicated taking responsibility for the field. The day I got married, God's gift to me was a spade. And he gave it to me with a smile. And he says, you won't even have finished. Jesus won't even split the sky. And you will not have exhausted the treasure that I've hidden in this field. If only you'll dig. So point number one is, point number one is dig. You've got to dig for buried treasure. Number two is be a covenant maker. See, the world that we live in, I am watching the time, by the way. The world that we live in lives, lives with contracts. If, if, if Mr. Andre and I went into business together, if we went into business together, um, we would get a third party. Now, this is important. If you're going to go into a business with somebody in this church or they're a Christian, they go to another church, just because they're a Christian doesn't mean you don't get a contract. Yeah, but they're like, oh, no, 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 no. They said we don't need a contract because we're like brothers in the Lord. No, no, if they're a brother in the Lord and they're a, if, if, if their word is worth anything, they don't mind it being written down. I'm just saving some pain for somebody because over the years I've seen people go into business with Christian people only to find that they were Christian because they had a bumper sticker, but that's where the Christianity ended. If, if your word is what it is, you don't mind it being put down in a contract. But a contract works like this, that, that Mr. Andre says, listen, I will do D, E, and F provided that you provide A, B, and C. And so he has an obligation. If I bring A, B, and C to the table, and then he says, you know what? I enjoy A, B, and C, but I ain't giving you D, E, and F. Then I can go to, or likewise, if he brings D, E, and F to the table, and I'm withholding A, B, and C, we've got problems. But the thing is, we have a contract, and then we can go to litigation, and then a judge can assess, well, hang on, Mr. Andre, he brought A, B, and C, you need to do D, and F, or hey, he did D, and F, where's your A, B, and C? You need to bring... That's called a contract. The problem is that most people enter into marriage saying that marriage is a contract. And a contract is 50-50. It, 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 you know, if I do my half, my share, then I can expect my spouse to do their share and we meet in the middle. But God doesn't operate on contracts. Take this cup. This is the cup of the new covenant. God makes covenants.
And a covenant is never 50-50. A covenant is always 100-100. A covenant is always 100-100. May I say to you that, that God has never stopped being good to me. He has never stopped being God to me. In fact, what God did on the cross through Jesus, Jesus represented you and I before the Father. And he made a covenant with the Father so that the Father will stay faithful to you even when you're not faithful to him. So the Bible says in the end of 2 Timothy, it says that if we, are, if we deny him, he'll deny us. If we disown him, he'll disown us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. In other words, my unfaithfulness to God cannot dent his flawless perfection. There is nothing I can do on earth to corrupt his immutable, perfect character. He cannot be unfaithful. Unfaithful is impossible. He, is, he remains faithful. So he cuts a covenant on a cross so that even when I drop the ball, he remains faithful. When I let him down, he remains faithful. That's why the Bible says that if we confess our trespasses to God, if we confess our sin to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He remains faithful. And what I found in marriage is I took vows on my wedding day saying for richer and poorer, in sickness and in health, for better or worse. In other words, this is not a 50-50 contract. This is a 100% commitment that I am your husband. I am your provider. I... I, I will love you in the good days and in the not so good days, in the days that are brilliant and in the days that are a struggle, that, that it's a 100% commitment come hell or high water. It's a 100%. And what I found with my Liani was the same. That thank God she didn't quit on me on some of those days. Now, now let me just dig down a little bit deeper. Husbandry comes from an, an old English term and it means the, the, the taking care of a piece of land to cause it to be fruitful. So if you look up the, the actual origin of husbandry, husbandry is someone who takes land like a farmer, like the story. And they, they will take the land and from that land they'll produce wheat or crops oranges, whatever, or uh, have livestock that graze on that land and the livestock multiplies. That's husband. We, we don't believe in same-sex marriage not because we're homophobic or bigoted or outdated. It's because a man cannot have a husband. And I'll tell you why. Because a man is a seed bearer. And, and to put seed in another man it can't produce so let me help you theologically the word for earth is female in the bible that's why you'll hear mother earth so you people say you know we got to protect mother earth you know because like gaia like she's like right now tornadoes is like mother earth like she's throwing her shoe at humanity because we're spraying fluorocarbons into the ozone layer. And, and so Mother Earth. God the Father, God the Father put seed 
into Mother Earth. Mother Earth took the seed and she produces life. She produces our forests. She produces our flowers, our, 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 our flora. She, she produces herbs. She produces fruit. She produces orchards. She produces vineyards. Into the earth, God puts seed and the seed produces. Four times my wife took a seed, tiny little seed, and, and, and produced a miracle. My, my, my firstborn miracle is, is sitting up there, a little seed. So amazing. She takes the seed and she produces a human. She's done that four times. Husbandry is, is the, the I, I can tell, I can tell how well I'm husbandrying by the fruitfulness of my bride. I can tell Kenny, I can tell, I can listen to Kenny. If Kenny said, hey, pastor, I've got some advice for you. I would listen to Kenny because I look at his beautiful Ashley. And I met Ashley when she first joined the church. Was it eight years ago? How many years ago? Eight years ago. Lovely. No, I'm being serious. Lovely, but my God. He's, he's, he's leading well. He's leading well. Jesus says, beware of false teachers. You'll know them by their false teaching. Excuse me. Beware of false prophets. You'll know them by their false pro. He says, you'll know them by their fruit. Let me just mess you up a little bit more. Jesus says, no sign will be given to this generation. A wicked and evil generation asked for a sign, except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jesus called Jonah a prophet. Jonah prophesied, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown and destroyed. Never happened. False prophet? Nope. He did his assignment. He prophesied. The people repented. You judge prophets by the fruit of their life. If you look at my life, if you look at my Leanne, if you look at my marriage, if you look at the John and Becky, if you look at, if you don't like the fruit, run. Find a church where the fruit is good. You judge every vineyard by the fruit. If you go to Napa, all the vineyards are competing with having the best grapes, having the best wine. How do you know which one's the best? You judge by the fruit. It's the same in the kingdom. Husbandry is always seen by the fruit. Number three, I've got to land. Number three is develop a love synthesis. What does that mean? Well, all plant life needs photosynthesis. Photosynthesis is where the plants have a chemical reaction from the sun. You notice that, that plants need and require the sunlight. There's something that, that, that the sun releases. It releases a chemical reaction that produces life. All life comes from the sunlight on all of our plant life. In the same way, you and I need the sun's light. S-O-N, Jesus's, which is love. So when, when, when I got married... I thought, uh-huh, Leanne, God put her into my world and she is going to fill in all the gaps. God looks at it differently. God says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
God said, I didn't bring Leanne into your life to fill in what was missing. I brought Leanne into your life for you to learn to love her, to perfect that which is deficient in you. I thought that Leanne was sent by God on a performance contract to fill in everything. And God's like, no, no, when I said it's not good for man to be alone, there are things that a man will never develop unless he learns how to unselfishly love, unless he learns how to unselfishly give. Because while you were a bachelor, Jürgen, you were all about you. He says, now you are in a place where you are in a covenant where you are forced to care, where you are, you are in a place where you need to be selfless, where you need to understand that there's no return on investment if there's no initial investment. One of the greatest things that I've learned is that where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. The times where we've hit walls, I found that the greatest thing I can do is up a date night, is take her shopping, is buy her flowers, is tell her I love her, is do something special. Well, hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you did that last month. Well, you may notice that women cycle. So every 28 days, her body empties and starts all over again. So last month, I may have told her she's the most beautiful thing on two legs. Last month, I may have told her how much I love her. That, but that was last month. She needs to hear it again this month. She needs to feel loved. She needs to feel special again. That's why I'm telling you, wives are expensive. A wife, that's why you need favor. But let me tell you, let me tell you, you talk to any person who went through a divorce, they'll tell you just how expensive it is. I don't want to go through that. I would rather invest. It's going to, but you know what it does? It, it has forced me to be a better man. The stuff that Booker T. Washington said this, Booker T. Washington, he was the first generation that was set, set free from slavery after the emancipation. But he was still often mistreated as though he was a slave. And he just made this statement, I love it. He said, I will let no man so degrade my soul as to cause me to hate him. In other words, he said, you know what? I've been on both sides of the ledger and what love produces in me, I'm not gonna let any man rob love. The greatest thing that you can have is love for God so loved the world. These three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. God gave me a wife to love. And the more that I love her, the more Christ's light begins to shine. And it's easy to love the lovely. And it's easy to love when everything is perfect and everything is going well. But love isn't really tested. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, God demonstrates his own love in this way that while we were sinners, he came and died for us on the cross. He, he broke the pattern. There was a separation. He went first. Love is forgiveness. 
The greatest definition of forgiveness I've ever heard is forgiveness is like the flower that diffuses her fragrance on the boot that crushed it walking past. Love, forgiveness is the flower that diffuses her fragrance on the boot that crushes it as it walks past. We live in an age right now, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but you know, I think it was a little over a year ago, Chris Rock was meant to, to I think, host the Emmys in, and then they found like 15 years ago, he made some comment and they said, well, because he made that comment, the guy's a comedian, because he made that comment and it was derogatory, it was, you know, homophobic, then he can't lead. And, and because we live in the in, internet age, I want you to notice that there is no forgiveness. We live, we live in no forgiveness, no forgetness. We live in cancel culture. Everything you said or have said in a moment of blunder, in a moment of whatever, heat or temper, is, it, it used to be, you know, somebody would have to have recorded it to have. Now everything is. So I'm telling you, what's a premium in our culture right now is forgiveness. The act of forgiveness is an act of divinity. You are never more loving like God than when you forgive. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love chooses to forgive and then love chooses to forget. If I say to my Leanne, baby, I forgive you. And then a week later, yeah, that was just like last week. Did I really forgive her? Obviously not, because I'm still holding on to it. Still got energy around about it. To forgive means I need to forget. If I really forgave her, I don't get the right to bring it back up again. A lot of people say, hey, my wife gets hysterical. I'm not worried about Leanne getting hysterical. It's when she gets historical. I have to land the plane. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Treasure hidden in a field. I had no idea that, that when I married Leanne, she was so beautiful. I had no idea that she was so prophetic. That was just one of the treasures I found. Another time while, while just digging in our morning, I discovered, my God, she is a relational genius. Kenny, there were so many meetings that I was going into, and Leanne's like, who are you meeting with now? And I said, and I'm gonna go into and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell them what time it is. And Leanne's like, whoa, 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 hang on, before you do that, do you know what they're going through? You know that person's mother is like, kind of. And then I get to the meeting and it's a completely different spirit. And I thought, man, if I went in with my her discernment on save me. So many times. Fashion? She chose this. <laughs> Honestly, what I think is cool was cool 10 years ago. One of our biggest arguments was she threw out my jeans. I had blue jeans with flames on them. <laughs> she threw them out. I'm like, where, where, where are my blue jeans with the flames? Honey, where am I? I'm preaching in church. I want my blue jeans with the flames on them. She's like, you're wearing skinny. I'm not wearing skinny jeans. I ain't wearing skinny jeans. And then I wear skinny jeans because she bought them. She threw out. I had no other option. I was either come without pants or put the skinny jeans on because she threw out my flame jeans. And then everyone's like, oh, pastor. Oh, you're so hip. You're so. 
gold treasure. Till Jesus splits the sky. Discovery after discovery. Don't forsake your field. God has hidden things not from you, but for you to enjoy. Heavenly Father, we thank you right now for your presence. We thank you for this word. Lord, and I pray for every relationship. I pray for every single person. Get this tape and give it, listen to it, and then give it to. It'll help you. This is 29 years of honestly making mistake after mistake after mistake. And the Bible always, always surfaces with success, with blessing, with victory. Build your life on the Word of God. There is nothing like it. The wisdom that it contains, the success that it brings. Father, I'm praying for those who are maybe struggling. 2020, 20 and 20 is 40, 40 is testing. Last year was a year of testing and tribulation. Maybe there are marriages that are hanging, hanging by a thread. or mar- It's not too late. Come back to this Word. Come back to this Word. Dig again. Don't forsake the field. Just do some work. Pull out some weeds. Work on the soil. And your field is going to flourish once again. This Wednesday night, we're going to have services here, but we've also got Dr. Simone Gold, who was one of the five doctors who stood in front of the White House last year talking about COVID, talking about how she's in a group with thousands of doctors who are curing COVID. Curing COVID with hydroxychloroquine and a whole bunch of other things. They got taken off YouTube, Facebook, censored. She was arrested for telling the truth. So Dr. Fauci, excuse me, Fauci, hasn't practiced, hasn't written a prescription in over 40 years, has investments in vaccines, has investments in Wuhan. So I just want to serve up, it's, it's voluntary, you can go, but I want you to go and listen because the Bible teaches us that Satan is a great destroyer, but before the Bible reveals him as the destroyer, it unveils him as the deceiver. In fact, I would say the level of his deception directly correlates to the level of his destruction. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So Dr. Smangold, as far as I know, she's, she's not a practicing Christian, she's Jewish. But I uh, had dinner with her in Florida a couple of weeks ago, beautiful heart, extraordinary physician. And she's right over the target. I know that because they keep taking her down they keep arresting her but she is like a little lioness so she's going to speak for only about 15-20 minutes she's not a speaker she's going to speak for 15-20 minutes do a presentation and then she's going to open it up for questions so any questions that you may have on hey do masks really work do we have to double mask how long do you think this is going what's you know hey I want to take care of the elderly what do I do you know she's going to have all of that for you so that's this Wednesday night 7pm up at San Marcos but let me pray for you to bless you If you're away from God, I want to pray for you, or maybe you need a a fresh love infusion. And the most beautiful thing about church is church is never meant to be about liturgy and dogma and just a a service of tradition. It's meant to be a place of refueling. Just like, you know, we'll we'll pull off the road to a gas station. We, we, We will refill our car so the car can keep going. Sometimes we take our car in for a service. 
And now it runs smoother, it runs better, it's more, more fuel efficient. Just see churches every week. God said, hey, after six days, come in for a little tune-up. Come in for a little grease and oil change. When, whenever you change the grease and oil, it's amazing how dirty that stuff is. And then they put beautiful, clean oil in. It comes out black and gunky, but when it goes in, it's this beautiful gold color. That's what church is. Church is heaven pouring His oil, His gold back in you. Getting rid of the gunk and all the stuff that's unclean and putting the clean back in you. Causing, changing the air filters. So you're forgiving and you're loving and you're kind and you're not a grumple stiltskin and hangry at everybody. If you need a fresh touch from God, if you need to come back to God, if you need to reconnect with God, just give me a wave of your hand. I'm going to say a prayer for you. Who are those ones? Just lift your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So many. Thank you. I see that. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Up the back. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Yes, I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you, darling. Thank you out there on the side. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, so many hands. Thank you. We're going to give you a couple of gifts. Those of you that raise your hands, let us give you a couple of gifts straight after the service. But let me just say, say a prayer. And I want you to repeat this prayer. So while our heads are bad, eyes closed, as we come to a close in the service, say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you that you so love me that you sent Jesus to die on the cross, to break the power of sin so that I can be forgiven, cleansed, renewed. Today I am a child of God. His love is welcome in my heart. Help me to let go of all bitterness, all resentment, all uncleanness, and honor you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.